Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. Hey there, Pastor Wade here. Just a little note on the podcast this week. Um, I record all the messages straight onto my phone, and I received a call during the sermon this week, and so the recording was interrupted. You will notice at about six minutes in that uh, the tone changes, the sound changes, and that is because it is no longer live and in front of a group of people, but rather we are transitioning from a preach into a uh, Bible study between me and you, the listener. So uh, forgive us for that mistake, and uh, I hope that you enjoy this week, week three in the series in First Peter, a letter to hand-picked outsiders. Is writing not just to you or to me, but he's writing to a group of people, this group of people that we call the church. Where does this word come from? Uh, it's an old word, ecclesia. It simply means a gathering. More specifically, a gathering of people that believe in what Jesus has done on their behalf. Um, and another thing that we read about in Scripture is the scattering of God's people, sometimes for very bad things and sometimes for very good things. Uh, but every week when you leave here, that's what I call it, whether you know it or not, together we're gathered and as you leave we're scattered. And while you're scattered, in case you miss a Sunday or something like that, we record all the services, all of that to simply say that we record all the services, okay? So we have been in First Peter, and we have been studying very closely, I think very diligently, uh, thus far, the first nine verses of First Peter. And I just want to review for us real quick where we, where we have been and then where we're going tonight, okay? So... What is our big purpose here in studying 1 Peter? Here's our big purpose. Uh, or here's the purpose of the letter. That the readers, that is the original readers, and us now, should be growing in faith and faithfulness all of the time, but especially when they or we are suffering or are grieved by many trials, as Peter says. And then we have some themes that each week we're going to be touching on these themes. Uh, the first one is suffering, hope, holiness, and finally Jesus. And I've said it every week and I'm going to say it again. Peter gets right down to it. He cuts through all the thickness of theology. And sometimes it feels like he's left things out. But he's trying to get us back to Jesus, right? Um, and he hasn't left anything out. This is God's perfect word to us. But let's just review where we've been thus far. Uh, last week, our first week, that was our big idea. And last week, we had a different big idea. And that is that we should be taking comfort in the fact that we are handpicked, that we are elect exiles, that we are handpicked outsiders. Why? Because we're going to be grieved by many trials, we're going to be suffering. There are going to be others around us suffering, and we're going to need the assurance and the comfort of being known by God. That was our theme last week. And uh, before we look at this week's theme, let's just see where we've been. 
Uh, in verse 1, we looked at this phrase that we see, at least in the ESV, elect exiles. We see other places, uh, temporary, uh, chosen temporary outsiders is a long way of saying it, right? That we have been chosen, we have been set aside by God as the church, uh, and that we are outside of what's going on in the world. That is to say that we should look different than what's going on in the world around us. But it just so happens, as Peter tells us over and over and over again, and as he's going to emphasize to us again this week, it's only temporary. Take heart, because this life isn't forever. Right? We don't often think like that, right? We all hope that we can live forever. I've been sick this last week, and I've just wished I could die all week long, but most of the time we feel like that we want to live forever. Um, in verse 2, we looked at God's uh, foreknowledge, knowing his people. And again, this word is there uh, so that we will be comforted by that. And then in verses 3 through 9, we see over and over again God doing a work. Right? We see the Trinity working in verse 2. In verse 3, we see that um, God the Father has caused us to be born again. God himself caused it to happen. We didn't make it happen. God did that. But that, from time to time, the genuineness of our faith will be tested. Why? We reviewed this last week. So we can show it to God and say, hey God, I made it through this one. My faith is real. No. Your faith is tested to prove it to you and to those around you. God's keeping that for you. He already knows who you are. Right. And so we are to live lives of faith to prove to ourselves and to show to the world around us. Um, and this faith is working us towards something. It's obtaining an outcome, as Peter says in verse 9, and that is the salvation of our souls. Um, and we're only going to see what that really looks like at, Peter says twice, once last week and this week now, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which we get big ideas when we see this word revelation, right? But it's just revealing, showing something that was previously hidden to us. And as Peter says, though we have not seen him, we love him, talking about Jesus. Though we do not see him now, we believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. All right, so... Um, literally to say this, that uh, everything that we can't see now about Jesus, one day is going to be shown to us. That indescribableness, that uh, inexpressibleness will be shown to us. And we're going to be learning about that again this week. And so our big idea for week three is this. The good news is not about you, and I've said that a lot, and I'll always say that. But here's something I don't often say, but it is for you and specifically for you. Um, and we're going to see just what Peter has to say about that, why so strongly it is for you and specifically for you. All right. So for this week, moving on into verse 10, uh, we're going to start off. All right. So let's just read together concerning this salvation. Pause. What salvation? If we go back to verse 9 real quick, we'll see uh, the salvation of our souls. 
And that is the end goal. It's the outcome. It's, it's what happens uh, when there is faith in our lives, when God the Holy Spirit has produced faith in our hearts, uh, faith in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so Peter says, concerning this salvation, the salvation of your souls, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. All right. Now, who are these prophets? Uh, these are the prophets that we see in Scripture. Uh, these are our Old Testament prophets. Uh, specifically, then, uh, Peter's emphasizing the fact that these prophets, and a prophet is someone that speaks the actual words of God. God gives them words, and they speak them. In the case of the New Testament, we see this happening, uh, but this is also how we get our Bibles, right? So here we have the Apostle Peter writing a letter. God gave him the words to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, this very short letter is a part of our Bibles. It is God's word. Okay, so the prophets who prophesied about the grace. So what is it that the prophets were prophesying about? Well, they all were preaching about different sin issues or glorious future issues. Uh, but what Peter's saying here is that all the prophets were preaching about some kind of future grace, okay? A grace that, who was it for? That was to be yours. That's yours and mine, right? So all the prophets, uh, everything that we see in the Old Testament, everything that came before us, who was it meant for? It was meant for you and for me. Now, obviously, Peter is writing this to the churches in Turkey, and yet, this is also to us, right? God's word is timely, that is, that it's always appropriate, and it's timeless, that is, that it never goes out of style. And so, we can put ourselves in here, right? They were prophesying, they were preaching, speaking God's actual words about grace that was to be ours. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, it was about this grace that they searched and inquired carefully. Okay. Now, in verse 11, we're going to see just what exactly it was that they were inquiring about. But let, let's just say it like this. You know, if I want to search something, what do I do? I pull out my phone and I go to Google. Okay. And now, uh, the, the prophets here... Uh, obviously, they didn't have smartphones. They didn't have Google on their phones. And yet, uh, th that's too simplistic of a thought when we're thinking about inquiring, right? I want to know who played in a movie. Google will tell me that in a second. The majority of questions that I would want to inquire about throughout a day that I would want to search for answers for, uh, Google's good enough. But what they were searching and inquiring about, as we see here in verse 11, was something very different. So, uh, what Peter is saying here in these two words, uh, it's a very specific searching and inquiring. Okay? It's like the difference, and we all can understand this, someone that breaks into your house. Now, 
the majority of people that break into your house are, uh, they're just going to take whatever they can get, right? However, I'm sure you've all seen spy movies. My wife loves cop and police dramas, and, uh, and so do I. I love watching them with her. And what's, what's always the case, you know? Like a spy, for instance. Someone breaks into someone's house, and they'll toss the whole house, make it look messy, and so on and so forth. But they were looking for one specific thing. They search diligently, you know, whatever it is, a USB drive, a CD, a hard drive, a computer, uh, a film, a, a microfilm, okay, <laughs> uh, photos, a file, something to this effect. And they had one thing in mind when they went into a house in, the, in these shows, right? And this is the case with the prophets. They have one thing in mind. They're searching for something specifically related to this grace that was going to come in the future. So verse 11, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Okay, inquiring what person or time, all right, so they want to know when is this grace going to happen and who is it going to come through? Who is this promised person of David's household that is going to be the king forever and set his people free? Who is that going to be and when is he going to come? Uh, and so Spirit of Christ, obviously the word Christ is not Jesus' surname. <laughs> it's the word that means Messiah, right? So they want to know this, the, the Spirit of the Messiah, literally, God's, God the Holy Spirit speaking specifically about the Messiah, speaking specifically about Christ. Uh, so inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted, that is, he the Spirit predicted through the prophets about the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Okay, so obviously Peter has uh, spoken to us here in this letter and in Acts 2 and elsewhere throughout the scriptures and continuing on in this letter, he will describe Jesus' sufferings and how when we suffer, we take part in his suffering. Um, but the, I think one very interesting phrase here is subsequent glories, right? The, the bigness, uh, the goodness and greatness that is shown about God that comes after those sufferings, right? And so, uh, what are these glories? Well, we see that even in his suffering, Jesus is high and lifted up. That is to say that through him, God's goodness and his greatness is shown to the world, therefore, his suffering is a glory. But also we know that he was high and lifted up, uh, sitting now at the right hand of the Father. This is a glory for Jesus. We also know that one day he will return in glory, showing off all of God's goodness and greatness and righteousness and justice, judging the world. And so those glories. 
But I also think that this passage is not just talking about glories that Jesus receives, but then glories um, that are for us as well, just as we learned about uh, in last week's message. So basically anything in the future after Jesus' suffering that relates to Jesus' suffering and the showing off of God's goodness and his greatness. Okay, so now we're moving forward a little bit here into verse 12, and we're going to touch on another topic, which uh, I find a little bit strange, but we're going to keep driving forward here and see what happens. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. All right, so literally, Peter's saying here, look, the prophets, they, they tossed, right? They searched diligently through the whole Jewish house, right? All the Jewish uh, scriptures, the whole Old Testament as we know it, to figure out what it was that they were talking about. That's, that's strange, right? Usually, some of us talk without knowing what we're talking about. However, we see prophets many times, they actually didn't know what it was that they were prophesying. Isn't that so interesting? Uh, even Ezekiel, right? You have the, his really crazy vision, right? He looks up in the sky, and there's clouds, and there's this chariot of some nature, and wheels within wheels, and it's confusing, to say the least. Uh, but even in that vision, Ezekiel's saying, well, it's like this, and it's like that, and it appeared as though Ezekiel, Ezekiel didn't even know what he was seeing. And so... Um, here, here are the prophets. They, they searched and then they inquired. They inquired and they, they didn't know. But here's what they did know. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but who? You. Speaking specifically to the church in Turkey, but also specifically to you and to me. Specifically to Mountain View Hermanus. They were not serving themselves, the prophets weren't. They were serving you. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. All right, and so uh, Peter's just here continuing to say that uh, what you received was what the prophets were working up towards. It's what God was using them to do. And now they have used Peter to do. The preaching of the good news. Uh, literally speaking the words of God in, in, in Peter's case, but also telling about God's mighty works through his son, Jesus. And so in the things that have now been announced to you, the good news... Uh, and those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. Slow down. Uh, now, I don't know everything about angels, okay? Uh, there's a, you can study angels, it's called angelology. Uh, from reading the word, I know some of the tasks of angels, right? I know some of the jobs they do. I know some of the crazy places where they pop up and uh, things that good angels are doing and things that bad angels have done, right? Um, 
And yet, here, uh, we see that the angels, uh, for lack of a good term that comes to mind right now, they're jealous. Okay, they're not jealous like we're jealous, but they're, they're, they're longing, they're desiring to see something through our eyes. Right? Angels are created beings. They were created by God. Um, and they have had communion with God for a very long time. That is uninterrupted relationship with God. And yet, here we see them. And it's almost like they're missing out on something. Uh, they are curious to know what it is that we're experiencing. That is to say this, that we are experiencing the grace of God in a way that they never have. Right? They've seen this whole thing play out. They haven't known exactly where God was taking this big plan of Scripture. And yet, they're seeing it now. And they... they, they desire to see it as we see it. They want to experience God's love in the very unique way that we are experiencing it. It's a very strange phrase. It's a very strange thing for Peter to say, but let's say it like this. Both the prophets, men mightily used by God, and angels, beings, mightily used by God wish they had what we have. What we have. That is to say this, Christian, you are privileged. You are experiencing God's grace in a way that no one, no other generation before you that is God's first people Israel, uh, they never got to experience it as fully and as freely as you do. And angels do not experience God's grace and redemptive work as fully and as freely as you do. Not only have you been handpicked and set aside to be outsiders, you have been given good news that people and beings have been waiting for for a very long time. You are privileged. You know what this means for you and I? This means that we should never tire of trying to understand God's word. Right? I mean, think about it, especially here in our New Testaments. Very plainly, although we see it in the Old Testament too, here in our New Testaments, very plainly, we see God's grace described to us, handed down from the apostles, uh, like we're seeing there in verse 12. Okay? Um, we should never grow tired of trying to understand this very unique time and place that we find ourselves in and God's word along with that. We should be wanting to search and inquire. We should be wanting to long to look, right? We should be 
really desiring and having curiosity about what God's word is and what it means and what Jesus' work on the cross means for each and every one of us and does for each and every one of us on a daily basis. The prophets wanted to be where we're at. The angels want to be standing in our shoes. Please, don't take it for granted. Dig down deep into God's word. And you know what? As we do that, something else is going to happen. On down to verse 13, Peter says this. Therefore, right, which is corny, I know, but every time we see therefore, we have to ask, what is it there for, okay? So because of everything that I just said, Peter says, verses 1 through 12, this, okay? Because of verses 1 through 12, this, preparing your minds for action, which this is my favorite phrase. <laughs> well, okay, one of my favorite phrases in the whole Bible. Uh, literally, it's translated elsewhere to gird up your loins, all right? So in Peter's day and Previously in history as well, men wore longer uh, gowns, longer robes, okay? And in order to do uh, manual labor or to carry something without tripping and killing yourself or walking through water or something to that effect, you had to pick up your gown, right? You had to reach down, grab up your robe, and you had to take your belt or the rope in which you tied your rope uh, up with, and you had to stream it in between your legs or tie it tight around your waist, that way uh, you would be prepared. Whether it was for battle or for work or whatever, uh, you had to gird up your loins. So this could also be translated, gird up the loins of your mind for action. Prepare your minds, okay? <laughs> uh, another way that it's translated is Put on your clothes for work. Put on your clothes for work, which I love. Um, so let, let's say it like that. Put on your clothes for work, for action, and being sober-minded. Okay? Which, these two things go together. Now, sober, of course, we see the word sober, and we think the opposite of that, drunk. Uh, Peter is talking about soberness, uh, in the sense that you shouldn't be drunk all the time because being drunk is not going to be preparing your mind for action. It's going to be preparing your mind for sleep, right? Um, in fact, this just reminds me, uh, these two phrases put together. I used to work at a hotel at a bakery uh, and at a bakery, but at the hotel that I worked at, um, I was a server, uh, a waiter, and uh, there was a waitress that I worked with, and she, uh, on the weekends, which is when we made our most money, uh, she would always come to work hungover or still drunk, which did not make her a happy co-worker. Um, but we did not share tips, right? She put her tips in her pocket, and I put my tips in my pocket. And you know what happened every weekend? Because the job didn't pay enough. We needed the tips. Uh, I came in ready to work. I came in 
with my mind clear and prepared in order to make enough money to keep feeding me and my wife and my then only one child. All right? I put on my clothes for work. My mind was prepared and I was sober about what was happening. Now, this soberness, though, simply means uh, you can't let your mind be clouded by things. So maybe it is actual work that is clouding your mind. Or maybe it is a relationship that's clouding your mind that's getting in the way of you being prepared for action, okay? As we're going to uh, further reveal here in verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace... Right, what is this grace? It was the grace that the prophets inquired about, right? It's the grace that has been shown to you and to me through Jesus Christ and his atoning work on the cross. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, we just discussed that that term, the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? His being made visible to you. His revealing, his complete revealing of himself to you and to me. All right, so this grace that we have now is wonderful, and yet this grace is going to be like these glories that come later. Uh, We cannot imagine them. And we will only fully understand the grace that has been shown to us when Jesus returns. All right, church, so here's the deal. You must prepare your minds for action. You have to put on your clothes for work. And you need to clear your head, okay? Why? Well, let's go back to our big idea. The good news is not about you. But it is for you. Specifically for you. The prophets spoke and wrote about it for you. The angels longed to see it through your eyes. Here's the other thing. Why are we clearing our minds of distraction? And why are we preparing ourselves for action? Because we need to set our hope. We need to put all of our faith in what it is that Jesus said he will continue to do in our lives and in this world in the future. Our hope is to be fully set on everything that Jesus has promised to us. The grace that God has shown to you and I already and that he is going to keep showing to you and I and to those around us. Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, 
that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.